Here it is. From deep inside your audio device of choice. Ladies and gentlemen, one of the problems, one of the many, and maybe one of the chief problems in our, uh, in our, in our little thing we have right now, this society, this culture, culture, did he, did he say, is the nature of the information that is the food of the information society, the information system. Namely, a lot of it that's shoveled our way is the result of public opinion polling. Now, I've, I've talked about the problems with polling for years on this broadcast. I think it's gotten worse. It certainly hasn't gotten better. Response rates have been down. Pollsters are known to um, adjust the numbers to account for missing elements of the population, people who don't respond to pollsters' questions. And so um, people in uh, TV and news generally will refer to data polling data as if it's actual information, numerical information about something real as opposed to something that's been fiddled with eight ways to Tuesday because of the continually reduced response rate. Now who cares really how pollsters work or how polling works except that the uh, airwaves and the inches are increasingly dominated by polling, poll results, poll analyses. And again, who cares really when it's about candidates? They'll, they'll figure it out. They'll fight it out. But uh, my attention is drawn to polling about the electorate and how the electorate feels about issues. Most um, jarring and bewildering to pollsters and analyses and a a a yeah, analysts who do analyses of polls these days is the seeming disparity between the actual economy and how the voters feel about the way things are going economically, financially, how their, their lives feel in dollar terms. The, um, the latter is pretty sour and dyspeptic. People experience inflation long after inflation has reduced, almost shockingly so. The unemployment rate remains at rock bottom. The, um, job market is healthy and yet people think it's a crap economy is there any data missing from this picture I think there is what has increased dramatically over the past let's say five years 
I'll give you two clues. FanDuel and DraftKings. It's easier today in the United States to gamble than to breathe. What's the basic economic law of gambling? The house always wins. People have increasingly been putting down bets against the house. Why shouldn't they feel crap about money and the economy? But of course, that's the kind of data that isn't included in polls. I, don't, I haven't seen a poll that asks, how often have you gambled in the last year? Maybe I will now. Hello, welcome to the show. From Santa Monica, California, yes, 
Yes, indeed. I'm Harry Shearer, welcoming you to this edition of the show. And uh, the one hole that never needs to be plugged up is the memory hole. There's always good stuff in there. Today's example from Politico, of all places, bringing us back to a world as if we left it where people were being told, take hydroxychloroquine. Just take it. Can't hurt you. Apparently it could. Politico reports nearly 17,000 people may have died, may have, died after taking hydroxychloroquine during the first wave of COVID-19, which coincidentally is experiencing another wave right about now. Yeah, there's a new thing, new variety coming back. This is uh, Politico quoting French researchers. Ah, the French. Yes, indeed. The anti-malaria drug, hydroxychloroquine, was prescribed to some patients hospitalized with COVID-19 during the first wave of the pandemic, quote, despite the absence of evidence documenting its clinical benefits, unquote, the researchers in their paper published in the February issue of Biomedicine and Pharmacotherapy. Now, researchers have estimated that some 16,900 people in six countries, France, Belgium, Italy, Spain, Turkey, and the U.S., may have died as a result. That figure stems from a study published in the Nature Scientific Journal three years ago, which reported an 11% increase in the mortality rate linked to its prescription against COVID-19, its hydroxychloroquine because of the potential adverse effects like heart rhythm disorders and its use instead of other effective treatments. Researchers from universities in Lyon, France, and Quebec, Canada used that figure to analyze hospitalization data for COVID in each of the six countries, exposure to hydroxychloroquine, and the increase in the relative risk of death linked to the drug. In fact, they say the figure may be far higher, given the study only concerned six countries from March to July 2020, when the drug was prescribed much more widely. Hydroxychloroquine, as you may recall, if uh, your access to the memory hole is still available, gained prominence partly due to French virologist Didier Raoult, who had headed the Mediterranean Infection Federation, sorry, the Mediterranean Infection Foundation Hospital, it was later removed amid growing controversy. It was, as you may recall, if your access to the memory hole is still available, it was considered something of a miracle drug by then U.S. President Donald Trump, who said, what do you have to lose? Take it. Trump, Trump. Yeah, I seem to recall the name. And speaking of religious figures, News of the Godly. The Franciscan Friars of California announced this week they have filed for Chapter 11 bankruptcy over dozens of sexual abuse allegations filed against the religious order. 
the Franciscans of the province of St. Barbara, founded in 1915 in Oakland, but they didn't want to say Oakland, I guess. You know, Oakland. Said on their website this week they had filed a Chapter 11 petition, quote, to address 94 child sexual abuse claims, unquote, leveled against the friars. Friars from the province of St. Barbara, one of seven such Franciscan entities in the United States, serve, if that's what they do, in California, Arizona, Oregon, and Washington, and in a number of Native American nations in the Southwest. I'm sure they're grateful for that. As well as on mission to Mexico, Russia, and the Holy Land. I'm just trying to figure out the discount you get on those flights. The order said that dozens of claims came about due to California, quote, state laws that allowed abuse survivors to file decades-old complaints that were otherwise time-barred or expired under the state statute of limitations, unquote. The state of California did pass legislation allowing a three-year exemption, the statute, on sexual abuse lawsuits. The window began January 1, 2020, ended January 2 of last year according to the catholic news agency a similar legal window was opened in 2003 but it did not allow for retrospective lawsuits against hospitals and schools where abuse was alleged all the claims in question the fire said occurred at least 27 years ago with some dating back to the 1940s when abuse was good almost all of them were filed in california and most of the friars named in the claims are deceased that was clever of them quote of the six living friars all have been long removed permanently from all public ministry and ministerial environments and are living under strict third party supervision according to the announcement the filing is meant to ensure quote just financial compensation for abuse victims according to Father David Ga in the press release quote the care of abuse survivors is our foremost concern and has always been at the core of our response according to Ga Ga as is quoting him again as a result of the state's most recent temporary suspension of the statute of limitations we were overwhelmed by the number of cases filed both in terms of the human cost and in our ability to fairly compensate all abuse survivors, unquote. It's the state's fault. God said the order, the order meaning the group of uh, friars, consulted with its legal and financial counsel and determined that litigation costs and potential liability would exceed our limited financial capacity. The Chapter 11 filing is the only visible path, sorry, viable path, to ensuring just equitable and compassionate compensation for all abuse survivors he said he added a process supervised by the bankruptcy court can resolve a multitude of claims efficiently in a timely manner and with equity unquote the fires join numerous dioceses around the country several in california such as santa rosa and oakland <laughs> there's oakland again in filing for chapter 11 amid voluminous abuse allegations wouldn't that be the cause of all this in august of last year the archdiocese of san francisco filed for bankruptcy due to what archbishop salvatore 
Cardiglione said were more than 500 civil lawsuits against that local church. The bishop of the Diocese of Sacramento, California, meanwhile, announced last month's Last month, quote, that after careful consideration and consultation, unquote, that diocese would be filing for bankruptcy over a, uh, a list of over 250 clergy abuse lawsuits. Gaa said this week he was, quote, deeply saddened by the sinful acts committed and the damaged cause to abuse survivors. Then only children who put their trust in friars. He continued, No apology or any amount of financial compensation can reverse the harm, but perhaps abuse survivors will find some solace in knowing that we are acknowledging their pain and that they're important to us and that we've hidden the money elsewhere. No, he didn't say that. Why would he say that? News of the godly. And now, ladies and gentlemen, news of the Olympics adjacent. These are other games that uh, look for places to host their games. Dateline Barranquilla in Colombia. It has been stripped of the 2027 Pan American Games. That's according to a statement this week by the Pan Am Sport Organization. PASO. Que paso? The executive board made the unanimous declaration after Barranquilla in Colombia. 2027 officials let a December 30th deadline pass without responding to contract obligations that included or required payment. Colombia had already been granted an extension after it was requested of Paso last October. Paso said, see. Now Paso says no. Paso pointed to, quote, countless breaches of the current contract, unquote, leading up to the final decision. Quote, Pan Am Sports profoundly regrets this situation, but has made this decision with the future of the greatest multi-sport event of the Americas and the athletes of the continent in mind, said this statement from Paso. Paranqui was given the Pan Am Games flag from Santiago only two months ago after the 2023 edition wrapped up in Chile. It was at those games that Colombian organizers were warned their contract was in jeopardy. This development will force Paso officials to scramble. New event in the games. The scramble as they try to find a replacement host for the 2027 edition. Barranquilla was elected unopposed in 2021, one year behind Paso's schedule, of course, due to COVID. Typically given seven years to organize the new host, may only have four years if it signs on quickly. Paso is expected to reopen the bid process over the next few months. Asuncion in Paraguay is already preparing to host the 2025 Junior Pan American Games. It has now emerged as a potential replacement. Sports officials representing Mexico's Jalisco and Nuevo León are also considering bidding for the event that last year hosted almost 7,000 athletes across 39 sports. Otherwise, finding a new host in the Americas on short notice would be a challenge 
With other high-profile events taking place across the continents this decade, Canada, Mexico, and the U.S. will jointly stage the 2026 FIFA World Cup. Hey, we're in! In several cities, and Mexico and the United States are in the running to host the 2027 Women's World Cup for FIFA. Argentina, Paraguay, and Uruguay are scheduled to host opening matches of the 2030 FIFA World Cup. L.A. is set to host the 2028 Olympic Games. And the United States will also be preparing to welcome the 2034 Winter Olympics in Salt Lake City. In Canada, Vancouver canceled plans to bid for the 2030 Olympics, Winter Olympics, that is, and both Hamilton and the province of Alberta backpedaled after they uh, had offered to host the Commonwealth Games, which are also kind of in trouble these days. This latest cancellation only underlines a disturbing trend, as a matter of fact, of failed regional and continental events over the past few years, according to gamesbids.com. Santiago struggled staging the Pan Am Games in October amid construction delays that persisted after the opening and reports of empty seats at venues. The event may be remembered most for the incorrectly measured 20-kilometer racewalk course that was three kilometers short, giving judges the impression that the first-place finisher had smashed the world record. In... Um, Durham, South Africa in 2017, Durham was stripped of their Commonwealth Games after missing a milestone payment, sending the event into a downward spiral from which Commonwealth sport is still trying to recover. The UK had been vying for the 2026 edition but stepped in to replace Durban, South Africa in 2022. On short notice, that left a gap in 2026 that was difficult to fill amid the pandemic. Victoria and Australia eventually came to terms on a host contract unopposed, only to back out months later when budgeted costs were said to have verb, please? Skyrocketed. That's a good one. Commonwealth Sport is still struggling to find a 2026 host with only two years remaining, and a contingency is in place if necessary, to stage the event in 2027 instead. That'll fix her. Earlier this year, the 2023 African Games were set to be held in Ghana. They were postponed due to disputes among sport federations. The global sports calendar has reached a saturation point with more sports, more events, and more participating nations and athletes than ever before. The broadening scope, skyrocketing costs, and greater competition to attract fans has moved many of these events beyond the reach of most potential hosts. As international sport federations take greater control by organizing their own championships and qualifying events, continental and regional games could become obsolete. No, don't say it. And... On a related subject. News of the Olympics. 
Movement, produced by Jim Ebersole III. Well, you know, the 2024 Paris Olympics are now just a few months away. The world's biggest and best sports stars are starting to gear up for one of the globe's most prestigious events. And they'll be joined by a slightly unlikely face. Snoop Dogg. This summer, the rapper, actor, and entrepreneur I'm still talking about Snoop Dogg, will be headed to Paris with NBC to take on a role as special correspondent for NBC's primetime games coverage, alongside Olympics host Mike Tirico. Beginning July 26, Snoop, the Snoopster to me, will explore the city's iconic landmarks, attend Olympic competitions and events, and visit with the athletes, their friends, and families. Unquote. Honey, Mr. Dog's coming over. Quote, I grew up watching the Olympics and am thrilled to see the incredible athletes bring their A-game to Paris. It's a celebration of skill, dedication, and the pursuit of greatness. Unquote. The musician in a statement. Which of those words do you want to tackle first? Some Russian and Belarusian athletes can compete as neutrals in Paris, as you may know. Quote, again, the dogster. We're going to have some amazing competitions, and of course, I will be bringing that Snoop style to the mix. It's going to be the most epic Olympic ever, so stay tuned and keep it locked. <laughs> Which, I guess, doesn't mean the same thing as stay tuned. Let's elevate, quoting again, celebrate, see, he can rap, and make these games unforgettable. Smoke the competition, and may the best shine like gold. Peace and Olympic love, you dig? Unquote. Mr. Dog. This won't be his first foray into Olympic commentary. For the uh, COVID-delayed Tokyo Summer Olympics, he was joined by comedian Kevin Hart to provide highlight commentary for Peacock. You know, comedian Kevin Hart from the bank commercials? Yeah, that one. We don't know what the heck is going to happen every day, but we know he, Snoop Dogg, will add his unique perspective to our reimagined Olympic primetime show. Unquote, Molly Solomon. Executive producer and president of NBC Olympics production. Mr. Dog, Molly Solomon on the phone for you. I'll be a moment. If that doesn't make you want to watch the Olympics, I don't know what they can think of. But they will. Because the Olympics is a movement and we all need one every day no word on whether he'll be wearing his bathrobe
From Santa Monica, this is Le Show, and now... Looks like He's the um, avatar of free speech, isn't he? Elon Musk? That's what it... Uh, a little tab here that... Oh. SpaceX was accused by the U.S. Labor Board of illegally firing eight employees over an internal letter sharply critical of Chief Executive Officer Elon Musk. Regional Director of the National Labor Relations Board issued a complaint against SpaceX this week, alleging the company illegally interrogated, surveilled, and retaliated against workers. According to the agency spokeswoman, Kayla Blado, in an email. The uh, fired workers include members of a group that authored a 2022 open letter protesting, quote, inappropriate, disparaging, sexually charged comments on Twitter, unquote, by Musk. That's what their attorneys wrote when they brought the case. In 2022, the NLRB's complaint alleges that SpaceX management told workers it had terminated the employees because of their open letter, restricted others from distributing it, and threatened terminations if they engaged in collective action, according to Blado. Quote, at SpaceX, the rockets may be reusable, but the people who build them are treated as expendable, one of the workers said in an email statement. It continued, I'm hopeful these charges will hold SpaceX and its leadership accountable 
for their long history of mistreating workers and stifling discourse. Unquote. Company formerly known as Space Exploration Technologies Corporation didn't immediately respond to a request for comment. Not even an X. Trial is set to begin in March. In June of, uh, 2022, a group of employees circulated an open letter through internal SpaceX communication channels criticizing Musk's online behavior and calling on the company to denounce and distance itself from his public comments. Well, that's not going to happen. Quote, Elon's behavior in the public sphere is a fre frequent source of distraction and embarrassment for us, particularly in recent weeks. Unquote the letter. Shortly after the letter circulated within SpaceX, multiple employees associated with drafting the letter were fired. Complaints issued by the NLRB prosecutors are considered by agency judges whose rulings can be appealed to the NLRB members in Washington and then to federal court. Yes, it's a complex process. Why shouldn't it be? The agency has the authority to order companies to reinstate, reinstate fired workers and provide back pay, but generally can't hold executives personally liable for alleged wrongdoing or issue any punitive damages. Federal law does protect employees' right to communicate and protest collectively about their working conditions with or without a union. While Musk has declared himself a, quote, free speech absolutist, unquote, his companies have repeatedly been accused by the U.S. government of trying to silence workers. Last year, SpaceX settled a claim that it illegally tried to stifle an employee's speech. Separately, Musk's social media company, X, settled with a former employee whom an LRB regional director had concluded was illegally fired for protesting a return to office mandate. NLRB members have also ruled that Musk's electric car maker, Tesla, illegally fired an activist and that Musk threatened workers on social media. Tesla is appealing in federal court. Renamed Exit. And now, if this next item doesn't make you boiling mad, you don't live in California. You know who aren't subject to traffic citations in California? Tickets, in other words? Driverless cars. Even if they break the state's laws. Unlike human motorists, autonomous cars cannot be punished for violating traffic laws while cruising around California. Police in San Francisco were told that, quote, no citation for a moving violation can be issued if the autonomous vehicle is being operated in a driverless mode. That's in an internal memo first reported by NBC. NBC reports. Look at that. Self-driving cars can receive parking tickets but get off scot-free for violations while in motion if no driver is behind the wheel. Really? 
In 2018, a test driver operating a cruise car in self-driving mode was ticketed when the vehicle failed to yield to a pedestrian at a crosswalk, but traffic crimes committed by driverless vehicles can go unpunished since citations can only be issued to humans if they were at the wheel. Quote, San Francisco's police chief, Technology evolves rapidly and at times faster than legislation or regulations can adapt to the changes. Unquote. San Francisco, as you know, is proud to be at the forefront of self-driving car technologies and is welcome to it. And the city was the first in the U.S. to approve commercial rides for Cruz's robo-taxi service back in June. The permit was later revoked after one of its driverless cars struck and dragged a pedestrian along the street in an accident last October. You recall that, of course. Months before that incident, the San Francisco Municipal Transportation Agency urged regulators and lawmakers to slow the expansion of autonomous vehicles. The vehicles aren't expanding their uses. Officials raised concerns that driverless cars often block traffic, obstructed buses and emergency vehicles, and have been known to wander into construction works or even crime scenes. Other states have updated their traffic laws to make driverless car operators liable for violating driving rules. Texas will find the owners of autonomous vehicles if the technology breaks traffic laws, regardless of whether a person is driving behind the wheel or not. They've even threatened to uh, fly the offending cars to northern cities. No, they haven't. Arizona issues traffic citations to the operators of driverless cars, too. Quote, the fully autonomous vehicle is capable of complying with all applicable traffic and motor vehicle safety laws of this state, and the person who submits the written statement for the fully autonomous vehicle may be issued a traffic citation or other applicable penalty. If the vehicle fails to comply with traffic or motor vehicle laws, that's according to Arizona. In California, the DMV can establish requirements consistent with statute by the adoption of regulations to ensure the safe operation of autonomous vehicles on public roads. According to um, Department of Motor Vehicles, there have been no comment from the Public Utilities Commission in California. As of this month, Cruz's commercial permit is still revoked amid an investigation into that uh, aforementioned accident and has temporarily grounded all supervised and manual operations of its autonomous vehicles across the United States. Its former CEO and other executives resigned in the aftermath of the crash. Other self-driving startups, though, are continuing to test and deploy their fleets across the country. Waymo is operating its commercial robo-taxi taxi service uh, to select riders. You've been chosen in Phoenix and Austin, Texas. Rival Zoox, never heard of it, backed by Amazon, heard of that, is driving its L3-level vehicles in San Francisco, Las Vegas, and Seattle. A spokesperson for the Autonomous Vehicle Industry Association, which represents those companies, been in touch with 
the Register Tech Journal in Britain, to say that robo-riders aren't allowed to just break the law. Quote, AVs must comply with traffic laws as a condition of operating in the state, and California traffic laws do not apply only to human drivers, as the rep put it. So, autonomous vehicles are supposed to obey the rules. Their operators must do things like report non-trivial collisions, as well as disengagements of auto mode to the DMV. However, officers can't ticket driverless cars from breaking traffic laws while in motion. So, lesson for the future? Be driverless, won't you? And now... I just want to say one word to you. Just one word. Yes, sir. Are you listening? Yes, I am. Microplastics. Think about it. Will you think about it? Yes, I will. Enough said. Here's news about new research. You know about the old research, I assume. New research carried out in the UK suggests that both organic and inorganic fertilizer may contribute to concentrations of microplastics in agricultural soil. The research paper published in Nature was authored by researchers from Lancaster University and Rothamsted Research based in Hertfordshire. The researcher said their study demonstrated that microplastic concentrations increased at higher rates in soils that are amended with either organic or inorganic fertilizer. Organic would be farmyard manure. The study was between 1966 and 2022. The results were determined using soil samples collected by the Rothamsted Research at 18 separate time points over the course of some 180 years? Can that be a significant increase in microplastic concentrations was observed between 1966 and 2022 across the three soil treatment types that were examined, namely farmyard manure, inorganic fertilizer, and nil treatment, no treatment with fertilizer. In the samples taken up to the year 1914, no microplastics were detected, of course, as consistent with the creation of modern plastics some hundred years ago. In the samples taken between 1914 and 1966, the microplastics detected were likely not from agricultural sources, but instead reflected increased plastic use in wider society, especially in infrastructure, fashion, and domestic use. The research paper said, however, the research indicated that in the samples taken between 1966 and 2022, microplastic amounts in soil treated with farmyard manure and inorganic soil were significantly different than amounts in untreated soil, not significantly different from each other. The researchers said these findings indicate that the application of organic and inorganic fertilizer is directly contributing to the microplastic load in the soil beyond baseline concentrations. We demonstrate that microplastic concentrations in ag soils increase over time and that the application of organic and inorganic fertilizers are significant contributors of microplastics to soil 
beyond baseline concentrations, they said. The impacts of microplastic pollution on agricultural activity are largely unquantified and unreliable due to the lack of longer-term field trials and the use of unrepresentative concentrations in many studies. With no immediate solution, this research continues, to remediate microplastic pollution on the horizon, it is critical to reassess our relationship with plastic use in agriculture and beyond, unquote the researchers. And fake grass might sound like a great alternative to um, water-loving lawns in areas like Southern California or Arizona. Experts say it's not the case. Quote, it's dangerous for you. It's dangerous for your pets. It's dangerous for your kids. It's dangerous for your neighbors. That's the view of Kyla Bennett, Director of Science Policy at Public Employees for Environmental Responsibility in Phoenix. She studies the environmental impacts of artificial turf. There is never a circumstance what I would recommend artificial turf she told KPNX-TV in Phoenix. She said a new study shows the plastic plant releases forever chemicals called PFAS into the soil and any adjacent wetlands or water. These PFAS can leach right off these artificial turf fields and get into your drinking water, and that would require multi-million dollar filtration plants to take it out and treat it, Bennett says. Artificial turf is filled with microplastics. Experts say they don't know the full extent yet of where these plastics end up. Or even where Bennett ends up. But that's another story. Entomologist Shaka, sorry, Shaku Nair at the University of Arizona said, you don't have to think of alternatives to lawn grass. Instead, she said there are several native grasses and other plants in Arizona that require up to 40% less water than grass and are safe for the surrounding environment. But we don't do that, do we? And now, ladies and gentlemen, the Apologies of the Week. We're so sorry. A member of Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu's Likud party publicly apologizes this week for her conduct over the past year, saying she and others created deep divisions among the Israeli public that weakened the nation and paved the way to the Hamas slaughter of October 7th and the ensuing months-long war. Galit Distel Afbarian served as public diplomacy minister in the hard-right government formed a year ago, was a staunch proponent of the deeply divisive judicial overhaul program, occasionally using strong language to lambaste its critics. She resigned from her ministerial role days into the current war, acknowledged that a new, her newly created ministry had been unnecessary, powerless, and, quote, a waste of public money, unquote. She has since said she has burning anger against Netanyahu. Quote, there were about 100 people who drove 9 million toward an abyss, she said. From politics, from the media, 
social media influencers. I was part of the group that caused the state to weaken, that harmed people, that harmed citizens, who in daily life are my friends, are my partner. It hit me in a second, suddenly in a bang. You suddenly realized that everything you were doing and thinking was good, was bad. I created a rift, I created division, and I created tension. And this tension caused a weakness, and the weakness in many aspects led to the massacres by Hamas. She says. Daylight London UK Home Secretary James Cleverly, his real name, I guess, apologized for making a joke about drugging his wife with the date rate drug Rohypnol. Well, I'd be changing your name right about now, sir. Speaking on Sky News in his first round of interviews since the row, the Home Secretary said he regrets the remark, adding, quote, it was a joke that I made, and of course I regret it. I apologized immediately, and that apology is heartfelt. ESPN has issued an apology for showing a woman flashing her breast during the network's coverage of the Sugar Bowl from New Orleans on Monday night. The incident occurred as the network showed partygoers walking along Bourbon Street as the telecast returned from a commercial break during the Washington-Texas football matchup. Quote, We regret that this happened and apologize that the video aired in the telecast, said he as spokesperson Bill Hoffheimer. Now, just a moment on this subject. The story goes on to say that it was a live picture from Bourbon Street, and that's why they weren't able to prevent the naked breast from going over the uh, lines of ESPN. But if I'm not mistaken, mistaken, they pre-record those shots. They don't want to take a chance on live breasts or otherwise. But that's just me. Maybe they do. Marianne Chereska, the Minister of Labor and Social Affairs of the Czech Republic, has issued an apology for the Christmas party held by his ministry, Marion, on the same day as the tragic shooting of the facult- at the Faculty of Arts at Charles University in Prague. Witnesses reported the dancing continued at the ministry until midnight, despite earlier claims by the ministry that the event had been prematurely terminated around 9 p.m. Jureska broke his silence and expressed regret for not evaluating the situation more promptly. He acknowledged that the event should have been canceled earlier and apologized if it offended anyone. GOP presidential hopeful, not really very hopeful at this point, Chris Christie, released a new ad on Thursday in which he attempted to make amends for what he appears to believe was the worst mistake of his political career, supporting Donald Trump in 2016. Just a few short months after telling Vanity Fair, I don't make any apologies for that period of time, when he was fully aboard Team Trump, former New Jersey governor declared, well, I was wrong. I made a mistake, and now we're confronted with the very same choice again. Donald Trump is ahead in the polls, and so everyone says anyone who's behind him should drop out, and we should make our choice 
Donald Trump versus Joe Biden. Well, Joe Biden has had the wrong policies, and Donald Trump will sell the soul of this country. Neither choice is acceptable to me, and it shouldn't be acceptable to you. Unquote. Chris Christie. And the city of Toronto is apologizing because the word in a hiking path sign wasn't Lakeshore Trail. It was Lakeshore Trial. And nobody wants that. The apologies of the week, ladies and gentlemen, a copyrighted feature of this broadcast.
Well, ladies and gentlemen, that's going to conclude this week's edition of the show. Back next week, same time on this radio station or at a time of your choice on an audio device. Again, of your choice. Doesn't your choice sort of scream out at you from this broadcast? I hope so. The email address for this program, your chance to get Cars I Talk t-shirts, some kind of historical relic, and the playlist of the music heard here on, as well as a lot of stuff to watch and read and laugh your ass off, all at harryshare.com. A tip of the show chapeau to the San Diego desk, to uh, Pam Halstead, and to Thomas Walsh at WWNO New Orleans for help with today's broadcast. The show comes to you from Century of Progress Productions and originates through the facilities of WWNO New Orleans, flagship station of the Change is Easy radio network. So long from the home of the homeless.